to Gay by Gay. We are also, again, talking about daddy issues. This time it's Abby's turn, and I'd like to open it with asking Abby, what is your dad's name? Dead. Uh, <laughs> okay, so uh, this is a bit of a running joke. So to explain, um, yes, my dad is actually dead. <laughs> so let's just get that out of the way. I'm pretty sure most of you have probably figured that out by now just from the way I talk yeah. about my dad. Uh, yes, he has passed away. Um, the reason for this joke, I've been, teach- I've been teaching dance for many years, and there was a day that Aaliyah and I were... Um, well, I was teaching, and she was just kind of helping me keep an eye on one of our younger yeah. classes because, you know, a lot of little kids running around can often lead to problems. Yes. So yeah. I had Aaliyah just kind of keeping an eye on a bunch of the kids. And um, one of the little ones had asked me, Miss Abby, what's your dad's name? And, you know, <laughs> Aaliyah had just found I out, just like, started. earlier that day that my dad had actually passed away. She hadn't known that beforehand. And so without thinking, she turns around and answers this little girl's question with, dead. <laughs> so it ended up being, Ab- Miss Abby, what's your dad's name? Dead. Yeah. And I remember, a little kid. And I remember sitting there at the time, and I just remember thinking to myself, Aaliyah, they asked about his name, not his medical condition. <laughs> dead. Dead. Well, in my mind, I was young, and I was like, this is, do not talk about this. I will hurt Abby if I talk about this. Everyone has to know now. Yeah, everyone needs to know. Everyone needs to know so that no one inadvertently hurts my feelings, but uh, yeah. So, uh, my daddy issues. Mm. His name is actually David. His not name is, dead. He, but. His name is not dead. That's his medical condition. Um, no, his name is David. Um, you know, he was actually a great dad, if I'm really honest. So it, it kind of bums me out that I have as many daddy issues as I've got because he was an amazing father. Um, when I was younger, he was really kind of like an idyllic dad to some extent. You know, he would take us to the beach. He would play with us. You know, how dads, I guess, sometimes get on the floor with their little kids. And, <laughs> you know, we used to call it playing tickle where – you know, they just, we used to jump on his back and pretend that he was a horse or whatever. You know what I mean? Just the way little kids yeah. do. That, that's my memory of my dad. Yeah. And oh man, was he smart. And oh man, did he love kids. I think I actually, as much as my mom loves kids too, I think I got my love of kids and my teachability very much from my dad. Because um, for those of you who have heard me talk about this before, <laughs> um, I call all of my dancers my kids. That's just how I refer to them. And I actually picked that up because my dad was a severe weather meteorologist. um, And he, at one point, ended up, instead of doing all of the sort of main meteorological stuff, he ended up becoming a teacher himself. And he always referred to his students as his kids. (laughs) It's actually where I picked up on the habit from. Yeah. Um, So to explain, yes, my dad is not here anymore. He died when I was, I guess, 13. I would have been grade 9 when he passed, January 21st, 2011. Um, Unfortunately, he had brain cancer, and um, he survived a good long while with it, actually. a long while. A long while. I mean, he was only supposed to survive for, like, six Six weeks. weeks. Six weeks, actually, initially. When he, unfortunately, too, we were actually yeah. down in the states on a road trip when he was diagnosed. So, yeah, that medical bill uh, came in big and large and looming. Um, I would have probably been seven at the time. Yeah, I would have been going. I would have been grade three going into grade four. So I think I was seven, just about to turn eight yeah. at the time, and it was in August. And you know everything was fine. We were on this road trip, and um, 
my dad woke up one morning and he found that he couldn't grab anything without it just falling right out of his hands and you know right away we knew something was wrong so mom rushed him to a hospital down in the city that we were in and um I really don't have a lot of memories of this I remember sitting in the waiting room not really knowing why we were there even and I remember just watching cartoons on the tv in the kids area you know what I mean like I really don't remember any of what was going on And at one point, it got late enough. They weren't done testing. But my mom felt bad that my sister and I had been at the hospital all day. Yeah. So she had said to my dad, look, David, I'm going to take the girls back to the hotel and, you know, get them some food and everything else because this is no place for little kids. Because, you know, I would have been about seven. My sister would have been about nine. So uh, it was just, it was too much for us. Yeah. So my mom had taken us back to the hotel and my dad finished up the tests on his own. And I guess at one point he had called my mom and said, okay, I'm done at the hospital. And mom said, okay, well, what's the news? And um, my dad had said, I'm going to walk back to the hotel. And my mom said, David, that's ridiculous. I'm going to come get you. And he said, no, I need to walk back to the hotel. I need some time. Yeah. And so um, he walked partway back to the hotel. But, of course, my mom found him on uh. the way. Because <laughs> she was like, I'm not going to let my husband walk in a strange city. Like, what the hell? After yeah. he's been at the hospital all day and I don't know what's going on. So she ended up picking him up um, partway there, and uh, my mom told me that it was a mostly silent car ride, and she had said, David, what is going on? And I guess eventually he just looked at her and said, Tracy, um, I've already got a plane ticket. I am flying back to our home city tomorrow for brain surgery. They've diagnosed me with brain cancer, and they said I have about six weeks to live. And, you know... Obviously, there were many tears. There was yeah. a lot of shock because it had just kind of come out, it of, nowhere. Just out of nowhere. It was nowhere. Yeah. yeah. And there, there was nothing wrong until the day he was diagnosed. And, you know, no one could tell us how long it had been there. No one could tell us how long it had been growing. So literally the next day, my dad was on a plane heading back to our home city, getting ready for, you know, um, literally a brain surgery where you sit awake in the chair while they're poking around in your brain actually we have a film of it on a side oh note. my god i've seen the film of it you wouldn't believe the brain is not actually pink it's only pink on the inside it's actually gray on the outside oh. but anyway it's it's weird but yeah i, I seen, can't believe you saw that yeah i've seen my dad's brain it's it's weird try explaining that to random people I, why do you have daddy issues i've seen his brain i, I think the little <laughs> bits i know about your dad i think he would have wanted that yeah. yeah, my dad was a bit of a strange one. So what did you learn from that, Abby? <laughs> that, that would have been his reaction. Um, but no, so unfortunately, um, we obviously cut the family vacation short. And really? we immediately started on our way back because um, at the time, my mom, we had the family car with us, so we couldn't just fly yeah. back with them. So we had to drive back in a real hurry. And I remember really not understanding what was going on. And, you know, I remember my mom was crying in the front seat and my sister was crying in the front seat. So I was crying in the back seat. And I remember asking, what's going on? And my sister, (laughs) bless her loving soul, whips around, looks me dead in the eye and goes, dad's dying, you fucking idiot. (laughs) And I just start wailing in the back. And all I remember The only reason she's crying. All I remember is my mom saying, Jesus Christ, Shannon. So, yeah, that, that's how I found out my dad had brain cancer, by my sister calling me a fucking moron and telling me that he was going to die. Great. We love siblings. We love, we love a sibling here on Gay by Gay. We love a sibling. Yes. yes. But, yeah, so um, he had a level floor, floor? Level floor. floor. He had a level four glioblastoma, which, you know, yeah. it was right in the middle of his motor control center, 
and his uh, speech control center. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, he ended up going for brain surgery, and they said that they thought they removed most of it, mm. but there was no way to guarantee. Yeah. So, you know, I remember a lot of chemo, a lot of radiation. I remember he was a part of a whole bunch of trials yeah. and everything else where he used to have to inject himself three times a day with this mysterious medication mm. that we didn't even know what it was because, you know, it was part of the trial because – you know, we didn't even know if he had the medication or if he had the placebo to yeah. see, you know, if it was all a mental effect or whatever, because that's how scientific trials go. So we don't even know to this day if he actually got any sort of medical treatment or if he was literally just injecting saline solution. We don't know. Ugh. But um, unfortunately, with the cancer, it went into remission for a little while. But unfortunately, it did come back. And, you know, he ended up going for a second brain surgery. Um, unfortunately, it grew back after that as well. But again, at the time, they'd only given him about six weeks. He lived for about seven years. Yeah. He lived for a, quite a while. Um, but it, it, the cancer itself did a lot to him. He very much changed from the dad that I knew to someone I could not recognize anymore. And, you know, it became one of those things where... Honestly, it kind of feels like back then it, it was kind of like COVID in a way where, yeah. you know, my sister and I could not have friends over constantly because washing your hands we were constantly washing our hands. Uh, we were not allowed to have friends over. My dad lived on one floor of the house and my sister and my mom and I basically lived on the other floors. Yeah. Um, you know, we could not go into his room because we could not touch anything in there. Um, you know, there were a lot of times where, you know, I would ask, can I go to a friend's house? And the answer was no, because your dad's not feeling well. And, yeah. you know, it was common knowledge for me as a kid growing up that if I had a cold or something, I could not go near my dad because I could literally kill him. Yeah. It was something that I was always aware of and always conscious of. And, you know, I do think that it affected me and my sister quite a lot because, you know, we were very isolated from kids our own yeah. age because kids would want to hang out and my sister and I would have to look at them and say, no, we can't. So unfortunately, a lot of kids started to leave us out of a lot of activities. So my sister and I became quite reclusive. Um, yeah. You know, we read a lot of books. We, and you know, at the time, my sister and I fought like cats and dogs. We still fight like cats and yeah. dogs. So we didn't even really socialize with each other. So it was a lot of time with my sister and I just literally having to stay isolated, especially because, you know, there were a lot of nights that we would go home for dinner, but my mom would have to literally be helping to feed my dad. So, you know, my sister and I would be sitting at the table alone. We would be responsible for making our own meals and stuff. And, you know, for me, you know, being eight years old, my sister being only about 10 years yeah. old, obviously, you know, I think it's where a lot of my bad eating habits came from yeah. because I could not cook a lot at the time, obviously. So really? it was a lot of cereal and bagels and toast and just stuff yeah. like that because, you know, um, my dad, you know, went through times where he had a huge appetite and times where he had no appetite. And so, you know, my mom would have to try and help him. And of course he would be isolated in his room where he was the safest. So she would be up there. So it would just be me and my sister on my own. And, you know, it, it did absolutely make it very difficult. There were a lot of things that my sister and I had to miss out on, but you know, I don't begrudge my mom or dad at all because at the same time they were both very, understanding and they very much wanted to yeah. try and be there for Shannon and I like I remember there were times that my mom would drop everything to come to our band concert or our choir concerts like she tried her absolute hardest and I can you know now looking at it through the eyes of an adult I can only imagine what she must have been going through trying to balance two young kids and you know a terminally ill husband like it must have been a complete nightmare for her 
But um, yeah, uh, he passed away when I was in grade nine. I was about 13, as I said. Um, it, it was very difficult because we had kind of known that things were going downhill very quickly because yeah. we had already observed that his kidneys were starting to shut down um, before he even went into palliative care, which is basically end-of-life care, yeah. which already was very hard. You know, watching the paramedics come to wheel him out of the house, oh. knowing that he would never return, was one of the hardest things that I remember having to go through. But... Um, you know, I remember on this last day, I'd had this very strong urge, and I just, I remembered looking at my mom that day and saying, I need to go and see dad. I need to go and see dad. Yeah. So we went up to palliative care to go and see him, and at that point, he was very incoherent, unfortunately. The tumor had grown to the point where it was doing terrible things to his brain. Yeah. So he was in constant pain with constant headaches, and I just remember this one blindingly clear moment where... I'd been holding his hand, and we had called for the nurse to administer more morphine because he was in a lot yeah. of pain. And I just remember looking down at him, and I remember saying, Dad, I love you. And it was one of the last clear moments he had where he just kind of nodded and said, I love you too, because his, his speech was very broken up yeah. at that point. Like, he could not speak. And that was very hard because my dad was a very – he was a lot like me, very yeah. well-spoken, very articulate. He was a teacher type. So for him to have speech issues was very was hard for him. Just, yeah. But that, those were his last words. And um, my mom and I went home, and less than an hour later, uh, we got the phone call that he had passed away. And I, I remember something that still haunts me is just this idea that the last thing he ever saw was me walking away. That haunts me, just knowing, you know? Yeah. Like, that bothers me a lot. Um, so, yeah, it, it was a rough situation, and I... None of that is what caused the daddy issues, though. <laughs> I think <laughs> what, what caused the daddy issues was what the drugs and the chemotherapy did to him because yeah. he changed into a very different person. Um, he had always been somewhat impulsive. And the unfortunate part about some of the drugs he was taking, such as dexamethasone, yeah. um, any of those steroid-type drugs, is that they kind of lower your inhibitions and they lower your ability to self-monitor behavior um, like he was your dad, but not really your dad. Yeah, he became very explosive. His temperament was very explosive. I remember there was one time where um, he had pushed my mom onto the stairs, and my sister was a little bit older than me, and she had tried to get in between them, and he had her pinned up to the wall, uh, you know, with his hand around her neck, and it was a nightmare scenario. And yeah. I remember, like... 20 minutes later, him sitting on the floor, and my dad never cried. I remember him sitting on the floor and sobbing because he could not control himself, and he was horrified by what he was doing, but he felt powerless to stop yeah. it. So it, I think that's where a lot of my daddy issues come from, just seeing someone who was so articulate and so well-spoken and so, you know, as I said, he was always impulsive but yeah. never violent. Seeing him change into this whole other person that I didn't recognize, just, yeah, it know. was very, very hard for me. Um, so it's, it's just a lot of those memories and, you know, the explosive temperament where, you know, he would try to help me with my homework or something and I would just make an off comment saying, you know, oh, this is how the teacher wants us to do it. And he would just go off on me and, you know, it wasn't something he yeah. could control. And yet trying to explain that to me when I was 10 or 11 yeah. years old, uh, you know, how do you explain that yeah. to a 10 year old? Your dad no. can't help, but, you know, explode on you. Like yeah. it, it was not a good situation. No. 
So I think that's actually what caused the most damage. But to this day, um, I very much love my dad. He was an amazing dad while he was around. And as I've told everyone else, I feel like not that I don't have daddy issues or not that they're not as valid as everyone else's, but I feel like they're not as bad because I have always known that my dad has always loved me. He didn't want to leave me. Yeah. It wasn't something that he did. You know, it wasn't a case of... It wasn't his fault. It wasn't anything. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's not that he didn't want us anymore. It's not that he didn't want to be around anymore. It's not that he wanted to move on and have a different life. You know, he had no choice in yeah, what like happened. He didn't yeah. want to be temperamental. He didn't want to treat you guys that way. It was, it it, just, exactly. just got in the way yeah. of what he had, his medical Exactly, condition. and it, it was very difficult. Yeah. But, you know, I can't blame him. And I think in some ways that kind of makes things harder because I can't blame anybody. Yeah. But that means that I don't really have an outlet for yeah. some of those feelings yeah. because if I, can't, if, I, if I can't blame the person, but can you really blame cancer? Yeah. It's just a bunch of cells it's that just... are growing too rapidly in a lot of cases. So there was no one to blame except circumstances and you know you can't you, you can't just yeah. rage about that because yeah. you know you're never going to move on you because can't confront anyone or anything exactly just, so that's yeah. that's left me with a lot of unresolved you know issues and in some cases trauma just yeah. from some of the things that i remember witnessing but you know as i said i still love him dearly and you know i don't hold any of that against him and i i think it's hard because i think my way of coping with what happened is actually through humor and comedy yeah. because that's my <laughs> yeah, style. Yeah. I remember um, two week. I took about two weeks off of school after my dad had passed because um, I just I needed the time. Yeah, well, everyone um, needs that. Yeah, it, it was rough. But I two weeks after I had gone back to school, and I'd been sitting at the lunch table with a couple of my friends. And one of my friends, who also had daddy issues, ironically, <laughs> had mentioned that, you know, she hadn't seen her dad in a while and, you know, she was stressed out because he was coming to get her for a weekend visit. And she had looked across the table at me and said, yeah, you know, the last time I saw my dad was actually at a funeral. And, you know, I could see the horror in her eyes as she realized what she had said to me going, oh, my God, Abby's dad just died, and I just admitted that the last time I saw my dad was at, like, a family member's funeral. And I just remember looking up at her and going, yeah, that's the last time I saw my dad, too. <laughs> she looked horrified, but I just remember sitting there laughing, and all I could think was, oh, my God, dad would have thought that was hilarious. You know, just the whole concept of, the last time I saw my dad was at a funeral. Yeah, that's the last time I saw my dad, Probably too. Probably just like, hilarious, Abby, hilarious. Uh, it I thought it was funny. She looked horrified. But, again, that was my way of coping because, you know, in a lot of cases, as I say, it's laugh or cry. Yeah. So, you know, I could have either sat there and gone, how could you say that to me? Or I could sit there and make a joke about it and sit there and go, yeah, Dad would have thought that was fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, how many times did you go up to the cottage where Leah was like, Abby, why'd you leave your dad in the room with me? Oh, <laughs> so, okay, so to explain, yes, my dad did choose to get cremated. And his remains are actually kept up at our family cottage. And it is something that Aaliyah brings up every time we go up to my family cottage because I, she will see the urn and go, Abby, why is your dad staring at me? <laughs> no, well, I have spent a disproportionate amount of time with that urn. With, the, with my dad's ashes. Well, I had to sleep in the room with his <laughs> urn in it. And I'm like, um, <laughs> I feel so bad. Like, like when we that was when I first met Alex, too. So Yeah. I was... Uh, there's Wait. Abby's dad. Yeah, there's her dad in the urn. It's a nice urn, to be fair. Oh, my God. It is a nice urn. The it's first time I ever went up there, there, because his his urn is on, like, this um 
dresser thing. It, yeah, it's kind yeah. of on. Um, it houses like a really, really, yeah. really old record player yeah. in there. And it's so his his is in the middle. Then there's like this teapot thing, and then this other like cup thing. I don't remember. And I remember Abby's like, so that yeah, that's my dad's urn. And <laughs> so I, I just kind of point. There's my dad. And then I'm like. The teapot? And she's like, no! <laughs> he is not in the teapot. No, he is not. He was in the urn. And I was like, oh! And I, I was like 12 years old. I, I think I really startled a lot of the girls because I am so blasé about it. Yeah, you know. there's my dad. There's my dad. And, you know, at one point, mom goes, oh my gosh, we should probably move him. And so I was like, yeah, yeah you're probably right. Come on, dad, let's go for I a know, walk. that's the worst. When you pick him up and you go, let's go, dad. Yeah, I, like, just pick up, I just pick up the urn and everyone's like, oh my god, she's handling his ashes. And I'm like, well, yeah, he's dead. What's he going to care <laughs> but you know, I think it's actually given me weird feelings about death in and of itself yeah. but yeah. that that's a good topic we'll talk about that yeah. on another podcast death? how we feel about death oh that'll I be a fun conversation I'm scared, I have scared. I have a lot of jokes to make because uh, my dad's dead and it gives me the right so to end off um the podcast or at least this episode of the podcast yeah. um so my dad's name is Dad. No, I'm kidding. Oh. <laughs> um, my, my dad's name is David. He died. He had cancer. And now I have daddy issues. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Take it game by game, guys. Bye. Bye.